This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, December 8th. Coming up, Kansas utility companies give away millions in charitable donations every year, and you pay for most of it. Researchers say that spending is often used for political purposes. It raises less uh, reputational risk than, you know, kind of being, you know, the biggest lobbyist spender or the biggest backspender. Why consumer advocates say charitable giving needs to be a lot more transparent. Plus, we'll hear why Kansas City's public school population has been on a steady decline. But first, some headlines. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt warned local public health departments and school districts yesterday against enforcing mask mandates and quarantine orders. KCUR's Jody Fortino has more. Schmidt announced that he's issued letters to local health authorities and school districts, informing them of a decision by a Cole County judge last month. The judge found that public health orders issued by local health departments violate the state's constitution. A spokesperson for Mayor Quentin Lucas's office told KCUR that the ruling does not affect Kansas City. The city's current school mask mandate was issued by the city council, which, unlike local health departments, consists of elected officials. Schmidt said that legal action would be taken against departments and districts that continue enforcing orders that are void under the judge's ruling. Major universities in Missouri and Kansas have paused their COVID-19 vaccine mandates for employees following an injunction by a federal judge in Georgia yesterday. Daniel Cottle has more. U.S. District Judge Stan Baker issued the injunction. It halts the nationwide vaccine mandate for any business or university that has a contract with the federal government. The decision comes after a coalition of Republican leaders from Kansas and six other states filed a lawsuit to contest the mandate. The University of Kansas, Kansas State, and Wichita State all announced that they would pause enforcement of their employee vaccine mandates. The national mandate would require millions of workers to be fully vaccinated by January 4th. The University of Missouri also announced today it will suspend its vaccine mandate for staff. For the first time, charter schools in Kansas City have more students enrolled in kindergarten through 12th grade than public schools do. Maria Benevento of the nonprofit news site The Beacon reported on that story, and she's here to tell us what that might mean for the future of the city's public schools. Hi, Maria. Hi. So first of all, can you explain what a charter school is? Sure. So a charter school is a form of public school in that it's taxpayer funded and it's free to attend if you live in the proper school district. Charter schools are not under control of the local school district. So for example, in Kansas City, charter schools are not part of Kansas City public schools. They're run by independent nonprofits and they operate under a few different rules and don't have to follow quite as many regulations and rules as some of the traditional public schools. What kind of regulations and rules do they not have to follow that a public school would have to follow? So charter schools have been, were legalized in like the very late 1990s. And so since then, pretty steadily increasing with a little bit of fluctuation. And at the same time, as they take up a larger share of public school students in Kansas City, the traditional public school enrollment has decreased. Um, There was an especially sharp decrease when the independent school district annexed several Kansas City public schools school buildings in 2008. Basically, especially with the a little bit of a sharper dip during the pandemic for Kansas City public schools, charter schools have just 
barely caught up and edged ahead. Can you talk about specific numbers, actually? Like, because I, I know they started collecting data in 2007. So can you just tell me, you know, what did the numbers look like in 2007 versus the most recent year for which we have data? The charter school data that I found starts in 2007. And um, at that point, there were almost 24,500 students in Kansas City Public Schools. And then today, um, the latest count was basically like 13,400. Why has public school enrollment dropped so much? In part, I believe it's because charter schools have started to um, enroll some of the students that would normally have gone to Kansas City Public Schools. And in Missouri, charter schools are not even allowed in most of the state under certain circumstances. So the charter schools in Kansas City are all within the Kansas City Public School District. And so they're largely enrolling students who might have gone to Kansas City Public Schools. Um, There's also some concern that competition with neighboring suburban districts has had a role so that, um, you know, families might actually move out of the bounds of Kansas City Public Schools to enroll their students in the neighboring suburban districts. So why have families picked charter schools over public schools? Um, I think charter school supporters would say that it's because the charter schools are providing something that that families want or need that isn't being offered by Kansas City Public Schools. And that could be because a lot of charter schools might provide some kind of specific, you know, special like focus or program that might not work for every student, but could be a really good fit for a specific student. Um, So, for example, there's a charter school that is for all girls. Academy Lafayette offers a a French immersion program. And so basically, I think supporters would say that charter schools just offer additional options to families. And for a specific family, if that option is the best for them, then they'll choose a charter school. How has the pandemic affected school enrollment in the city? There was a pretty, not like an extreme drop, but... um, about a 5% drop in Kansas City Public Schools between like the 2019 to 20 school year and then the 2020 to 21 school year during the pandemic. Um, And I think in general schools throughout, public schools throughout the state saw about a 3% drop in enrollment in that timeframe, just of of kids that dropped off the radar during the pandemic or switched to um, non-public schools, I suppose. And charter schools did not see that decline. So charter schools get some of their funding from Kansas City Public Schools, right? I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that relationship there. So charter schools are receiving public funding. So the the funding that Kansas City Public Schools transfers to them does not make up their whole budget. But due to the way that state funding is structured, charter schools have argued that there's a funding discrepancy where they're not receiving as much funding per student. So to make up for that, Kansas City Public Schools voluntarily transfers them a certain amount of money. And then at the same time, there's also a dynamic where Kansas City Public Schools is not directly giving them money, but every time a student chooses a charter school over Kansas City Public Schools, they're then receiving that share of state funding that goes with the student. So how does Kansas City Public Schools feel about charter school enrollment? Are they trying to get students back? Yes. So um, Kansas City Public Schools has been pretty open that they're concerned about losing enrollment to charter schools. At a recent school board meeting, they even you know presented some of the statistics and said that it's very important that Kansas City Public Schools stay over the 50% threshold. And they have thrown a lot of effort into like marketing and recruitment 
efforts. And that's something that's often presented on at school board meetings that the, the district is trying really hard to get students to choose Kansas City Public Schools. And what does the shrinking of Kansas City Public Schools mean for the city? And what does it mean for the future of public schools here? I think, well, Kansas City Public Schools did um, an analysis of the public school system in 2018. So that would include charter schools and public schools. And they found that there are quite a few um, areas where public schools in the area are inefficient. Um, And that's in part because when there are so many charter schools, there are 20 different charter schools, all of which might have multiple buildings. And then there are quite a few Kansas City public schools that are under-enrolled as the district has gotten smaller. And so in some ways, the district is is operating as if it had more students than it actually does, which can create some financial inefficiencies and can mean that the district isn't really taking full advantage of its size, I suppose, to offer some of the things that work better on a larger scale, which could include more choice in extracurriculars or foreign language classes. Some high schools have struggled to field a football team, which would be easier to do if you have a larger pool of students to draw from, things like that. So what is the district planning to do to attract more students and grow their population again? Uh, One of the main initiatives lately is called Blueprint 2030, which is basically a 10-year long-term plan for the district. Through that, they're asking for input from families to see like where they would like to see the district improve or what their priorities are for additional offerings or programs that the district could add. And then um, from there, once they get a sense of what families want, they'll try to figure out how they can achieve it and what is like what are acceptable trade-offs for folks. So it could include uh, closing and consolidating some schools to make it possible, I suppose, to, um, you know, in some ways to save money and to also have bigger schools that are able to offer programs that work better on a larger scale. Maria Benevento is the education reporter for The Beacon. Thanks, Maria. Thank you. Coming up, how your electric company is using money from your bills on political donations. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This is Kansas City Today. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a part of UMB Bank, your story is our focus. UMB works closely with you to tailor a plan that meets your goals through every stage of life and changing economic climates. UMB's customized financial planning services and resources help you accumulate, preserve, and protect wealth, giving you peace of mind about your future. UMB, everything we do starts with you, from our high-touch service to our robust suite of wealth management products. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Monopoly utilities in Kansas choose charities every year they think are worthy of millions of dollars, and they charge you for much of it. Brian Grimmett of the Kansas News Service investigates why consumer advocates say the practice is problematic. At Nafsker Park in downtown Wichita, one of the first things that draws your attention is a large TV screen with a hard-to-miss Evergy logo on it. A little to the left, there's a white pavilion and a stage that some teenagers are currently using as a skateboard park. The front of it reads, Evergy Pavilion. The state's largest electric utility gave a $1.4 million contribution to the city for those naming rights. And if you're an Evergy customer, you could end up paying for that in your monthly bill. That's because state law says that regulators may only reject up to 50% of utility dues, donations, and charitable contributions from being passed on to customers. And that's only a may. 
If utilities want, they could argue to pass all of it on. We only grow as a company if the customers that we serve thrive and that the regions that we serve uh, grow and thrive. That's Chuck Casley. He's Evergy's chief lobbyist and government relations officer. He says the company is obviously proud of the ways it serves the community. In 2020, Evergy made about $8 million in charitable contributions. Other large utilities like Kansas Gas Service also give millions away in charity each year. The money goes to all sorts of organizations, from sponsoring community concert series and events like Juneteenth celebrations to giving to organizations like the United Way. Utilities aren't allowed to pass the money they spend on advertising and lobbying onto customers, but they can pass on the dues they pay to join industry groups such as the American Gas Association and local chambers of commerce. Ultimately, which dues and donations get included in customer rates is decided during a process known as a rate case. Since Evergy was formed in 2018, it hasn't had one. Kaisley says when it does come to regulators on a rate case for the first time in 2023, he doesn't expect that Evergy will ask to recover any charitable donations from customers, including the costs for Nafsger Park. Purely charitable giving is, uh, is something that is, is appropriately uh, a shareholder expense. But that's not common practice, and there will be little way to know if that's actually what Evergy does. Itemized data on the dues and charitable contributions utilities include in rates isn't publicly available. Research shows political ties often go along with corporate giving. Marianne Bertrand is an economics professor at the University of Chicago. She found that large companies in the U.S. often use charitable donations to nurture influence with regulators and lawmakers. It, it raises less uh, reputational risk than, you know, kind of being, you know, the biggest lobbyist spender or the biggest backspender. In separate research, David Pomerantz at the Energy and Policy Institute found several examples in other states of utilities giving to a civic group or church that later wrote op-eds or testified in support of plans to raise rates or pass utility-friendly regulations. He says it's tempting for utilities to mix up their charity work with their political agenda because as government-regulated monopolies, their entire business model hinges on gaining favor with regulators. Consider a mayoral press briefing held last June in front of the landmark Keeper of the Plains sculpture. It's located on the Arkansas River in Wichita and surrounded by gas fire pots. Mayor Brandon Whipple begins by praising Kansas Gas Service before passing the mic to Lauren Clary, the company's community relations manager. Kansas Gas Service donated this signage to help educate visitors about the significance of fire to Native American culture and how the keeper's ring of fire is fueled by clean burning natural gas. Pomerant says Kansas should follow the lead of several other states that don't allow utilities to use captive customers to help pay for any dues, donations or charitable giving. If customers want to give their money away to charity, they, they can do that themselves and utilities should if they want to help the community, they can do it by lowering rates, which helps everybody. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Brian Grimmett in Wichita. The Kansas News Service is based here at KCUR. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean.
This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Maria's story about school enrollment and Brian's story about utilities at kcur.org, where you can also hear a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your thoughts, or write us a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.